you guys see me okay? Yes. I'll move this way a little bit. Hey friends, uh, again, my name is Sammy Rhodes. I am the RUF Campus Minister at the other U.S. Well, no, I just the right, the good, the best USC, South Carolina. And I really am delighted to be here with you this weekend. Um, let me kind of tell you where we're, not kind of tell you, let me tell you where we're going this weekend. We're going to be in the Gospel of John. We're going to be looking at John 3, 4, and 11, at Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman and Lazarus. And I want to think with you guys together about how the Lord Jesus meets us in our goodness, how he meets us in our badness, and how he meets us in our sadness. Um, I love the Gospel of John because John is an artist, and John helps me feel my feelings. He makes Jesus more beautiful and believable to me. And so for our guide this weekend, we're going to be using another artist, Lana Del Rey, to guide us through. So we're going to start tonight, tonight's old money, where Lana says, where have you been? I wouldn't, I can't sing. This would be, that would would be terrible. But where have you been? Where did you go? Those summer nights seem long ago. And so is the girl you used to call the queen of New York City. (laughs) But if you send for me, you know I'll come. And if you call for me, you know I'll run. The power of youth is on my mind. Sunsets, small towns, I'm out of time. Will you still love me when I shine? From words, but not from beauty. My my father's love was always strong. My mother's glamour lives on and on. Yet still inside, I felt alone for reasons unknown to me. But if you send for me, you know I'll come. And if you call for me, you know I'll run. Let's pray together. I like, Alana does tap in, I think, too. We're going to be looking at different songs for each talk. But this one for me, when she says, uh, yeah, still inside, I felt alone. And when she says, will you, st- will you still love me when I shine? She's tapping into some loneliness that I think John 3 and Nicodemus, I think it's actually where Jesus meets Nicodemus in his goodness. Uh, and that's what I want to talk about tonight. But to do it, let's read our passage, John chapter 3, 1 to 15. I think it's going to be on the screen. Um, then we'll jump in. Here we go. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not not receive our testimony. 
If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? This is where it gets kind of weird. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Let me pray for us, and then I want to kind of think about Nicodemus and how Jesus meets us in our goodness tonight. Let's pray first, though. Oh, Lord, we thank you for a chance to be here at this place, this beautiful place. We thank you for a chance to be together. Uh, Lord, I pray that this weekend that, that we would feel, however it is that we come, that we could feel known and loved by one another, that we could feel known and loved by you. Lord, I, I pray for tonight that you would meet us in the ways that we struggle with pride, in the ways that we struggle with perfectionism, in the ways that we struggle uh, with self-righteousness, in the ways that we struggle to not make everything about ourselves, in the ways that we struggle uh, to, to not look to you, but to be self-obsessed. Lord, would you meet us graciously, like you always do? Would you meet us in that place as we look at this passage tonight? We pray these things for Christ in your name. Amen. To be honest, I relate a lot to Nicodemus. Um, think about him for a second. He sees himself as a good guy. He is accomplished. He's respected. He's well-liked. He's well-positioned. He's put together, it seems. He's successful. He's the opposite of needy. And I relate to that, to be honest. I think another way we can think about it is maybe one way to think about him is He's what we envision when we think of what does it mean to be a strong Christian. So I became a Christian my freshman year of high school. It's a long story uh, that I'll get into a little bit more tomorrow morning. But uh, I pretty quickly became, became like the youth group kid. Like my identity wasn't being the, the leader in the youth group. And like... Family, the Family Christian Bookstore was my jam. Like, that was what I looked forward to going to. I had uh, at least six WWJD bracelets to match any outfit. <laughs> Even a khaki one, in case I was wearing something funky. Khaki just matched everything. Um, and the peak of it for me was there was a ministry at my school called First Priority. Is this, is this still a thing? Anyone heard of this ministry? Okay, I was about to say good, but I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no shade of first priority, it was me. So think FCA uh, or think any kind of Christian ministry at a, at a high school, but it meant that early in the morning, and the goal was you went before school to show your school you were real Christians. In my junior year, I, inter- I interviewed, this is wild to me to look back on, I interviewed to be the president of first priority. And adults in the room were, like, asking this question to several of us. And the question was, why should you be the leader, the president of First Priority? And, man, was I ready to answer that question. This was my true youth group kid drop the mic moment. Because without blinking, I looked at these adults and said, because I have not. Because I have not missed a quiet time in over a year. <laughs> I like to think about the way that Jesus was looking at me at that moment. Like, oh, you poor soul. I love you so much. But you, you missed the point. Like, I, I had missed the point. I had really 
lost sight of Jesus and his goodness and had made it all about me and my goodness. And I think that's us oftentimes. Either we presume our goodness. Uh, there's an old Puritan, John Newton, who used to like to say, no one can be told that they're a sinner. They have to be shown. And oftentimes we can presume that, yeah, we're, we're pretty good. Or other times we feel this uh, desperate desire to prove our goodness. I don't know if y'all have been watching Barry. It's, it's kind of haunting to watch Bill Hader play that kind of character. But this, there's a particular episode in this season where the whole episode he just keeps saying after he's done awful, awful things, I'm a good person. Tell me I'm a good person. And that can be us. We try to keep this outward charade of deep inward self-delusion, and we typically pick easy targets to help us justify our goodness. It's the kind of thinking of, well, yeah, I do that, but at least I don't do that. And that's how we kind of keep up the charade. So it might be like this, like, yeah, I'm sexually addicted, but I only listen to Christian music. Or, this is true, one time I gave up bourbon for Lent, and I just got really into scotch instead. (laughs) (laughs) Just true. Yet, yet, in our most sober moments, I think when we dare to be honest with ourselves, we know that our goodness will never be enough to justify our existence. Or we know that we're not enough, especially when we have any sense of how holy and loving God actually is, and how perfect in his love he is. There's a HBO special, this is peak Lady Gaga, like monster days, and HBO did this special where she had sold out Madison Square Garden like two or three nights in a row. And I'll never forget watching this interview. It was right before she was going to go on stage. She's in the makeup room, kind of getting her, you know, outfit going. And she's talking to her, you know, her hairdressing makeup people, and she starts crying. Madison Square, I mean, she's about to go on stage. She starts crying. And she said, even, if I, even though I've sold out Madison Square Garden, I can't help this gnawing feeling that I'm still that loser kid from seventh grade that everybody hates. And I just do my best to get on stage and kick that feeling, but I still feel like that loser kid. And it was a real moment of vulnerability. You and I can often, in our most sober moments, feel that and know that. And what I want you to see is this is how Jesus met Nicodemus. He must have had some feeling, Nicodemus, that Jesus hit different uh, because he goes to see him. But it's interesting that he doesn't. It's not lunch at Chipotle. He goes at night, kind of in a back room. And it's interesting that Jesus knew exactly. Jesus always knows exactly what we need. But Jesus knew exactly what Nicodemus in this moment needed. And he goes for this weird talk, the new birth, the must be born again talk. And let's talk about that for a second. I think it's possible to make too much of being born again. Uh, there certainly is much more to following Jesus than having one deeply moving religious experience that we constantly point back to, as Kanye. Uh, N.T. Wright likens this, I think it's interesting, he likens this to the weirdness of framing our birth certificate. Um, not to mention how we come to faith in different ways, right? We come to faith, some of us do have a pretty dramatic experience of coming to faith, but a lot of us Maybe a lot of us, maybe most of us, sometimes more slowly over a long period of time. And of course, it's it's possible to make too little of it. It's possible to make too little of it as if we should never thoughtfully think or consider 
whether or not the Lord Jesus has truly made a difference in our lives. And it's less, do I really love Jesus? And maybe the better way to ask it is, does the love of Jesus really move me? Does it really matter to me? But either way, you must be born again is a strange statement. One, because it's not actually something you or I can do. We can't do it for ourselves. We didn't ask to be born. We didn't choose to be born. My, <laughs> this is going to sound bad. My oldest daughter frequently reminds us. She's like, I didn't ask to be born. I'm like, oh, wow. She's in, hey, she's in counseling. She's great. She's amazing. <laughs> We're all in counseling. It's beautiful. Um, but it's something that happens to us, right? It's something that happens to us. Uh, we're brought from not existing to existing. It's interesting, I think, in a day all about self-expression with so many different ways of identifying. It's a humbling thing just to be born. But then two, did you ever see Brad Pitt in uh, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button? Okay, all right. So it's that whole idea of you watch him you know, grow back into a baby. It's a weird, very weird thing to watch because you watch that movie and you didn't think, that's what I want. <laughs> I want to experience Benjamin Buttonness and somehow age back into being a baby. Because do you remember what it was like being a baby? Probably, probably not. <laughs> but think about it. It's a state of total and complete dependence. I think most of us want the opposite a state of total and complete independence. Do you remember how embarrassing it was to be a baby? <laughs> Someone feeding you and wiping you and dressing you and rocking you to sleep. And you can't even go open the pantry for a box of Cheez-Its because you can't walk <laughs> or open doors. But do you see what Jesus is, is doing and saying to Nicodemus? He said, you understand the law of God. You're the teacher of Israel. You understand what he asks of you. You understand his commandments, even large parts of his character, what it means to be a faithful Israelite. He's the teacher of Israel, a top position of knowledge and insight. But you don't yet understand the grace of God. You don't under, yet understand the heart of who he is and how he loves and who he loves. And because you don't yet understand the grace of God, you actually really don't understand the law of God at all. Another way that we can say it is Nicodemus had a category for Jesus as a great teacher, someone to show us the way to God. He even had a category for Jesus as a great miracle worker, he says it in the text, someone who had the power of God and did beautiful, amazing, healing things. But there's one thing he didn't have a category for. And it's Jesus as a savior. And himself as someone who needed to be saved. Um, my friend, or yeah, I used to worry about Vanderbilt, his name's Richie Sessions. He, he tells this story that I like a lot where he talks about the idea of when you were in middle school, when we were in middle school. I don't know what PE was like for you. I went to a private Christian school, and we we played a lot of basketball in PE, and it went this way every time where the two like two of the best most athletic students would be the captains, and then you could feel that feeling of oh no who's gonna be who's gonna be picked last? Like I had a friend who he just could not dribble for the life of him, 
and like his only, you know, he would score on the wrong goal. Sometimes he would carry the ball like a football, like a football. <laughs> but Richie will talk about this is the idea of mercy picks. You know, like I'm going to pick you because you're not that great, but I want you to feel loved and amazing and a part of the team. And he says, to be a Christian is to be a mercy pick. It's not my goodness that made the Lord. It's not your goodness that made the Lord love you. It's his love for you that's going to bring about any goodness in your life. The miracle isn't how I became a Christian or how you became a Christian. Sorry, God's not dead. One, two, three, and four. Are there four now? Um, The miracle is that I... That I am a Christian. That you are a Christian. Uh, There are only two points tonight. The first is, that's the bad news about your goodness. And the second is, I want you to hear the good news about God's grace. We put the focus on being born again, but Jesus puts the focus on something entirely different. Namely, what he's come to do to be the savior of Nicodemus and you and me. and it's interesting, this, he does this deep cut Old Testament reference. It's from Numbers 21. And just to kind of give you a brief idea of what he's talking about, Numbers 21, here's the short version. The people of God have this snake problem. Their camp is just crawling with lots of snakes, which apparently we learned that we have snakes here. So <laughs> good to know. Forgot that part from last time. But the way that what God does is when the people cry out, he tells Moses to make this bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And when any of any one of the Israelites is bitten by a snake, he tells Moses to hold up this pole, and they're meant to look to it. And as soon as they look to it, they're healed. Uh, snakes in the Bible represent the curse of sin. And the bad news is we've all been bitten. And so as Jesus sits with Nicodemus, he's saying, I'm going to be like that bronze serpent held up in the wilderness. And at the cross, I'm going to be cursed by the Father for your sin that you might be blessed by my righteousness. Nicodemus, I'm going to become sin. This is Paul's words. I'm going to become sin that you might become the very righteousness of God. I'm going to be lifted up. And if you look to me, if you believe in me and trust in me, you will be healed and you will be saved. Um, I don't know if y'all watched The Last of Us. Um, there's a scene, this is a little spoilery, sorry, but one of my favorite scenes in The Last of Us in this season is between Ellie and Sam. Uh, Ellie meets Sam, the only other kid uh, in Kansas City, and there's that horrible moving scene where they've gotten out of that crazy, you know, crazy, the opening of the earth and all of those zombie monsters coming at them, and they've escaped it. And they're in this motel, and Ellie and Sam are looking at their comic books. And then Sam, you can tell he's trying to say something. He's deaf, but he's trying to say something, communicate something to Ellie. And it's finally revealed that he was bitten. And Ellie, in this really beautiful way, she's if you know the story at all, she carries the antidote in her. That's why she's so special. And in this moving, childlike way, she, she says, I can help you. And she cuts herself to get some of her blood, and she says, here, she takes her blood, and she puts it right up into his bite, trying to heal him. And it's just a small glimpse of Jesus. 
of Jesus giving us his blood. There's an old poet that said like this, love is that liquor sweet and most divine that my God knows as blood, but I as wine. So what does this mean for us? The answer isn't, it's, t- it's time to take a, a, a long, hard look at yourself in the mirror. A lot of Christianity is that way. But I think what Jesus is inviting us into is to look away from ourselves and to take a long, hard look at him and what he's done for us at the cross, to look to him and find life, to look at him as the only healing and cure for sin and self-righteousness, a savior who was born to gladly live the life that we could never live and to die the death that we deserve to die, that we might find new life in his death and be born again by his birth. We sing it at Christmas. Herald angels sing. We sing it like this. Hail the heavenly born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that men no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. The part I love about this story is there's a sequel. We see Nicodemus twice. In the book of John, the first time's here, where he has this conversation with Jesus, and Jesus challenges him in his goodness, and challenges him, invites him to rest in the love of Jesus. And then the second time we see him is actually in John 19, when he comes with Joseph of Arimathea to take Jesus' body after the cross, to give it a proper burial. And what I love is that at some point Nicodemus experienced exactly what Jesus is talking about. At some point his self-righteousness, at some point his goodness, became bitter to him, and the love of Jesus became sweet. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would move us in that way. That you would, those of us who wrestle with, with, with pride, I think that's all of us. Those of us who wrestle with self-righteousness, I think... That's all of us. Lord, would you meet us by your grace? Uh, Would you invite us out of our own goodness into yours? Would you invite us out of our own striving for perfection into your perfect love? Would you invite us out of uh, the ways that we seek to justify ourselves into you as our justification and as our righteousness? Lord, uh, you alone can do that in us. I pray these things for Christ in your name. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>